0: For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast, and we've got a good one today. Um, We're talking with Greg Godfrey of Tethered, and today's episode isn't really about tethered per se but it's about the 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 saddle hunting market it's about the evolution of saddle hunting it's about uh, you know a lot of this stuff you guys have already heard but it's always good to touch base and ask a new line of questioning to the same people and it's crazy to to see how successful a company like tethered has been in the short amount of time that they've been a business. And I mentioned this in the podcast and this is something that I'm intrigued by is the loyal following that they have in that short period of time. And in, in my opinion, it rivals the loyalty that some of the other bigger brands in the industry have, right? Some of these companies have been around for 30 plus years and have this loyal following tethered has in my opinion the same loyal following per capita and it's only really like five years old so if you take if you like that blows my mind and a lot of you know, a lot of things went right for for them as far as marketing and social media but uh how well their product performs as well has a lot to do with it so uh, it's a really good conversation you know we do talk about the, the evolution we talk about um, you know where they see the the market is it still a fad is it past fad stage uh, we talk about what they're what they're planning for uh, in the next five years we talk about their growth we talk about uh, their new product line and it's just a really fun conversation uh, about you um, You know, we, we even talk about the tree stand market as well and how, you know, there's some people out there who prefer a tree stand and there's some people out there that prefer saddles. And and so we have that conversation as well. And, uh, you know, Greg's just a, uh, an awesome guy to interview because he actually knows what he's talking about and that makes for good content, right? So before we get into today's episode, I'm going to do a real quick commercial break for you guys, and then we'll, uh, jump right into, uh, to the, uh, interview and, and, uh, and Greg's going to blow us away with some knowledge there so it's pretty cool uh, if you guys are looking for an awesome apparel line, if you're looking for an awesome lifestyle brand you need to check out theaverageconservationist.com um, awesome hats awesome t-shirts, hoodies every single day I'm wearing something from the average conservationist, the cool thing about the company is that any product or any, anything that they sell, 10% of their total annual revenue goes to some form of conservation effort. Whether it is a local, a state, or a federal uh, effort, these guys are putting their money where their mouth is. And so in, a, in an indirect way, every time you buy a, a product from The Average Conservationist, you yourself are contributing to a conservation effort. So theaverageconservationist.com, I'm a huge fan of the general hat, and the camo hoodie and the euro the euro mount t-shirt those are that's like my (laughs) i hate to say it but that's my date night attire right i love that stuff so it's very comfortable too uh discount code for 10 percent off nfc10 nfc10 hunt stand i talk about this a lot it is scouting season right it's shed hunting season so as you are out there Looking for sheds, doing your scouting, you need to be journaling and documenting everything you find. Anywhere, anything from a pinch point to main trails to old rubs and scrapes to where you find your sheds to where you see deer. And the more you document on Hunt Stand, the better chance that you're going to have like being able to forecast deer movement and locate these terrain features when it comes time to hunt whether you're mobile or whether you're you're the guy who likes to get out in the summer and cut tree stand uh shooting lanes and that kind of stuff definitely definitely check out uh hunt stand, huntstand.com tons of features very affordable price and only 30 bucks a year and uh it has probably some of the most up-to-date satellite imagery in any mobile app uh, mobile hunting app that there is. So huntstand.com, and lastly Novex Outdoors. If you are looking for oh discount code for huntstand sn20 gets you 20% off sn20 gets you 20% off, and lastly Novex Outdoors. If you are looking for a tree stand, a mobile tree stand, a made America company, uh, four sticks and their their smaller platform. It's gonna get you anywhere. Uh, you need to get, get into crooked trees, straight trees, um, you know, small trees, big trees, the ability to put yourself not in a close enough position, but the the right position, the right position. Uh, it's a, that's a big difference there. Sometimes five yards can, can make a big difference. And uh, a tree stand that can get balanced. It's quiet and easy to set up. It makes you mobile right there novex outdoors go check them out Uh, lots of there's a couple options to choose from there and it's made in america which is a huge deal to me so uh there's the commercials let's get into today's i guess we'll call it the saddle hunting futuristic uh feedback episode with greg godfrey of tethered all right on the phone with me today from tethered greg what's up man
1: Hey Dan, just kind of unwinding from a long deer season and getting caught up on honeydew list and all that stuff and show schedules, you know, Tethered's kind of going nuts right now with shows, Um, but I'm I'm at home now and one of the big two do's before this week is over is to get my boat, or my kayak actually, ready to go catch some some fat girls on the lake them big bass are going to start spawning here in a little bit and in, in georgia so that's my that's my next item on the list
0: yeah are you going to connect with uh parker at all because that dude loves to uh, fish out of his kayak
1: absolutely me and parker we've been talking about doing a bass trip like that for years yeah uh me and me and another friend of mine did one on lake seminole in alabama um and it was awesome, so I would love to do that again. And Parker'd be a he'd be a great three day fishing mate, I think.
0: Heck yeah, he loves doing that stuff, man. And and I don't know why, I, I I am I'm that guy who was built to never jump high, to stay close to the ground. And I don't know why God made me this way, but I don't have very good balance, right? So I have to take everything twice as slow as everybody else. And um, like every time I I think about trying to get into a kayak kayak and do what you guys do. I get a little anxiety because I think that's like you guys kayaking up, you know, up into some backwaters and getting out and, and, you know, running and gunning out of a kayak, man, that's, that's crazy stuff.
1: It's a ton of fun. Yeah, It it really is. And, you know, believe it or not, kayaks are, they're kind of like tree stands and saddles nowadays. There really is something that will work for, for anyone just depending on what your goals are. Um, and there are some kayaks out there that are absolutely beefy. I had one, it's called a Hobie pro angler and man, it would support you. Like it thing is solid. You don't feel tippy like you do in a lot of canoes and kayaks, but Um, there's some of these kayaks that are made strong and, and, you know, for the, for the guy, maybe like you, that doesn't have the greatest balance in the world. And they're awesome. That's what I, that's what I used for years. And now I'm using something a little bit smaller, but yeah, it's a blast. And, um, I love it. It's my favorite way to get out on the water.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking something more along uh, a river barge for me. Or one of those <laughs> one of those army, uh, one of those army vehicles that basically builds a bridge across water. That's what there I think go. I'd feel comfortable in.
1: <laughs> yeah, that'd be great for access. You know, find those little hidden islands and then just drop your bridge and walk <laughs> right across.
0: Yeah, uh, the whole uh, they'll never know I'm coming at all.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so, how did your season go uh, this year?
1: Season went okay. Um, I actually didn't hunt at all in my home state of Georgia. I was, Hmm. I was traveling quite a bit and, uh, I'm where I live in Southeast Georgia near Savannah. It's, it's full of swamps and gators and snakes. And I've I've been here for six years now, the army moved me here. And to be honest, I don't really enjoy hunting here that much anymore. I've, I've kind of gotten spoiled a little bit by traveling to other states where there's bigger deer and more of them and easier access and, so I'm gonna I'm whining a little bit, but I didn't I didn't hunt that much in Georgia, but I did get to hunt a lot of states outside of Georgia, and I had a, I had a mixed season. So I tagged I tagged well I tagged one buck, and then I I I didn't recover another one in Kentucky, which was pretty awful. Actually, I uh, you know how some some animals I'm sure you've experienced this, and a lot of people listening have experienced this. Sometimes you screw up, yeah. right? You make a bad shot you you rush it whatever you know you 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 mess up and you know that it was your fault this one in Kentucky stung a little bit more because I felt like I did everything right I I was I was calm at the shot I was confident at the shot um I felt like I did everything right and I still didn't recover the deer and That one stings. That's the first time that's happened to me where it, where I felt like it really wasn't my fault. And, uh, I'm still, I'm still living with that one a little bit. Not going to lie.
0: Yeah, man. There's something to say about that. Um, there, like you said, I've, I've had plenty of these where you rush a shot or, Hey man, I should have waited for him to take a step one step further or, you know, uh, his body, you know, his body language said calm and I rushed the shot, whatever, and then there's some where it's like, man, I I I shoot my bow every time I go out before a hunt, right? And I've had those uh, those crazy things where it's like all of a sudden, I you know maybe maybe I knew it, maybe I didn't know it, uh, maybe I didn't check my gear, but something happened, and uh, I I put a shot on a deer. I was calm, I was collective, and the arrow just like pinwheels out of the out of the rest and I'm just like what happened and then I go back after that and I shoot my bow again and it just came out you know everything was money everything's on so you're just like what what happened and uh, you never do find the answer and those suck the worst
1: they do and and I'll, I'll go back just to touch I didn't do everything right you, you just mentioned the animal <clears throat> with his body language and in in hindsight you know we film I filmed this hunt and I was hunting public land in Kentucky, and in hindsight, looking at the deer, he was incredibly tense, and for whatever reason, that just didn't register with me as something to really, you know, consider, and when I was going to take my shot, he was only at like 17 yards, so yeah. it wasn't even a, a difficult shot, and I guess, you know, in the moment, my brain said, you know, it doesn't really matter that he's tense, because he's so, he's close, and so, that's what happened. You know, looking back, he, uh, he was very tense and he jumped the string and you know, it is what it is. That's, that sucked. But then it's, it's funny how hunting can be such a cruel mistress because that was the, the last week of October in Kentucky. Uh, I packed up camp right after that. And I had a Kansas tag this year. So I drove over to Kansas and I shot a, a nice buck on the ground, which was the the very first time that's ever happened to me, and it was at, like, eight yards. So it was yeah. – I went from an extreme low from that terrible, you know, mess up in Kentucky to six days later killing a big buck on the ground and just absolute elation after yeah. it. So it's it's weird, man. It's highs and lows.
0: Yeah, that's a fact. And uh, the the lows suck, but the highs, man, they kind of just overshadow all that stuff.
1: They make it sweeter. It's like when you – it's like when you're having a terrible day on the golf course and on, on the 18th hole, you sink up a, a 40 foot putt and you're like, I'm the greatest golfer in the world.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Um, but here, here with me, I know I suck at golf. So what I do is I have zero expectations going into any type of golfing that I do uh, once every two years kind of golf where my dad, my dad actually lives on a golf course and my brother is an uh, really good golfer but I went down the path of uh, hunting instead of you know golfing and uh, so I know that when I go golfing I'm gonna lose about a dozen balls I know that I'm gonna get pissed and start drinking and you know like that's how I golf but with zero expectations
1: well that's probably a smarter way to do it to be honest
0: <laughs> absolutely oh man crazy crazy year uh, for the hunting market right I mean. The uh, every company that I've talked to on this show or that I deal with on a sponsorship level or partnership level has just told me that 2020 2021 have both been pretty significant years and all these brands are are up. I, I guess you could call it the covid wave or whatever. Um, did you guys experience that as well?
1: I don't really know how to answer that only because we're so new. Yeah, I. Um, so 2019 was our very first year in business. Yeah. We we launched at the end of the summer in 2018. So you know, right after 2019, our like I said, our first year in business, COVID hits, and so I uh, I don't really know how much of of our growth at Tethered has been because of the COVID wave, like you mentioned, and how much of it was gonna happen anyway there's really no way to know but i mean for sure we got a boost there's there's just no doubt about it you can't see the 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 public you know the hunting public as in like you know you and me not the youtube series but the hunt you can't see those the public the general public go out and license sales you know increase dramatically and fishing license sales and you know basically everything outdoors increases dramatically in the last two years and for sure that benefited Tethered as well. It's just, it's hard to say for me because like I said, it, we're brand new.
0: Yeah, yeah. You definitely don't have uh, um, trend lines really to compare on right. an average year exactly. yet. So, yeah. Um, so with that said then, I mean, from from where you guys started in, in 2019 to where we are today, beginning of uh, 2022, um, just from talking to people just from social media just from the vibe out there in the hunting community um, in this this pocket of mobile public land run and gun hunters um, and even people who hunt uh, private land as well Um, tethered is a name right it's it's made it past the like this is what this is my opinion it's made it past the are these guys going to make it or not? Okay. They've made it. They've put out the products. The products are being sold. People are getting the results that they want from them. And now they are, you know, they're here, right? When you guys started this company, like what was your, what was your three year goal or five year goal in 2019? And have you, have you hit that expectation yet?
1: Absolutely. We did. We, we, we kind of blew it away. So to kind of circle back to twenty eighteen when we launched, my partner and I, Ernie, this is this is the, the the God's honest truth. When we launched, we said, you know, maybe inside of three years we could make enough with tethered to pay for us to go out west and hunt elk. <laughs> that was That was seriously the goal. And I've talked about this many, many times. Well, I I don't, that's not, it wasn't the goal, but that was maybe the low hanging fruit expectation, I guess. If we could do that, we'd consider this a win. You know, if we could, if we could figure out a way to sell enough gear that we could fund our own addiction in this lightweight mobile hunting crowd and pay for our gear and get our friends in cool gear and then, you know, have enough access to go hunt elk, that would be a success. Well, we kind of, did that in like the first three months. So that was pretty cool. Um, outside of that, it's just been kind of a wild ride. Uh, like you said, I I think I agree with you in that it did feel, I'm going to say for the first two years, like kind of like what you were alluding to, like, is this just a fad is, did we really happen onto something or is this just a slightly better mousetrap that's going to lose steam? And, now, you know, going into our fourth year, it feels like we really hit a vibe in the hunting community and our gear is helping people. So yeah. I feel like it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And, and uh, before we started talking, uh, before we started recording there, we had this very short conversation of what I, what I wanted to talk about, um, part, part of what I wanted to talk about anyway. And the last time saddles became popular, I, I'm guessing somewhere in the 90s, uh, it was a quick from what I remember, it was quick. It was a a fad, right? Like people were using it. Uh, you know, a very small group of people. And then I feel like directly after the saddle uh, started becoming popular again, all these new versions of tree stands uh, came out. Lone Wolf. The, the original lone wolf came out and became better. And then some of the tree stand, uh, hang on tree stands became lighter. Some of the climbing methods became lighter to tote around in the woods, thus giving people more of a mobile option. And they kind of went back to the tree stand hunting. Now with all these years later coming out of, the, you know, like tree stands, in my opinion, they can, you can go to carbon fiber, you can do all these things, but there's a, there is a plateau and a price point plateau that, yes, you can make the same thing. You can make it lighter, but it's going to cost you five times as much. Not so much with a saddle, right? So, like, do you think that this is past fad stage and that saddle hunting is a viable option moving forward for anybody who, whether they're new or seasoned hunters, like to stay mobile?
1: I think so. I think the saddle is gonna just be that other option. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, like in the nineties, it was, you know, what kind of tree stand do you use a climber or do you use a hang on or do you use a ladder stand? And right. those were kind of the options. And I think now we've gotten to the point where you know, what do you use? Do you use a, a tree, a hang on, a climber, a lock on or a saddle? And I feel like it's finally pushed over that hump into if you want to call it mainstream or we, however you want to describe saddles being used a lot more frequently inside normal, normal hunters. You know, the guy that's not going five miles deep on some random piece of public land and like working his ass off. Yeah. Um, I, 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 we're, we're getting more and more conversations. I'm having more and more conversations around the country with just normal guys that are hunting grandpa's back 40, just normal guys, right? weekend warriors they hunt six times a year and that's all the vacation they get and you know more power to them they're fine in saddles too and i i think there's a couple reasons for that um like you mentioned in the early 90s there was that fad of trees tree saddles there's really only one company that was doing it and they the the products definitely weren't at the level that they are now so i think tethered what is was benefited by really two things a, we made the products a whole lot better, lighter, faster, easier to use, more comfortable, et cetera. It was a better product now. And then B, social media came around and it was exactly. easy to educate the customer exactly. or the hunter rather, because before the only way to find out about it was to happen upon it in a store that sold it or meet some random guy like a John Eberhardt who was using it. And there was like 12 people in the whole country that were using it. So (laughs) (laughs) you just had no, no real way to be introduced to it. But then social media and YouTube comes along and now we can tell the whole world about it for, you know, basically free. And it just kind of, it kind of grew legs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that has me thinking about what other fads back really in anything, you know, like fads go away but then with the birth of social media 20 30 years ago uh, you know they had a fad but if you add social media really to any recipe it has the potential of blowing up and being something permanent
1: absolutely especially if it's a if it's a well designed idea exactly. right it's like it's like if you have the right the right product but it's the wrong time or you don't know how to tell people about it it's going to fail but if you have the right product and you know how to tell people about it it, it, the sky's the limit and it doesn't matter if it's hunting or cars or home repairs it's it's you know we we at tether we kind of got lucky in that we had the right product but then we were also we had the right product at the right time and the right people on the team So, you know, we were really, really lucky that all of those things came together at once and certainly don't take that for granted. That's for sure. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So let me ask you this. Um, You guys came out and as far as the rebirth of the saddle, uh, there were a couple uh, that were already in business, right? Um, You might be number two uh, or number three that. Uh, Came and said, hey, we have this offering too. And then for a while there, it was just a couple of you, right? But as we continue and people see that this is no longer a fad. I mean, if companies thought it was a fad, they wouldn't be introducing saddles into their lineup. But we're starting to see uh, all these additional companies bring saddles into their, their product lineup and, you know, give an offering for there. How do you guys deal with that? Um, because from someone like me, I'm a tree stand hunter. You know, I put that label on myself. I see a saddle is a saddle is a saddle, right? I mean, it's not a tree stand, so a saddle is a saddle. How do you guys stay ahead of that and say, okay, we know that the market is going to be bringing, not necessarily rip-offs, but other saddles to the market under different brand names. How do we compete with that?
1: Well, I think you have to focus on innovation right i mean any any market any product hunting industry isn't special at the end of the day it's innovation drives uh profit or you know success whatever you want to call it if you're constantly innovating and and pushing the boundaries i think you can win and that's why i think you're seeing this explosion in the in the in the lightweight tree stand market like we talked about because now tree stands are having to compete with saddles it's like man i could do this for 10 pounds all in with the saddle setup but you know your typical tree stand is way over 10 pounds just by itself and people and hunters were seeing the benefits and so tree stand companies had to adapt and we're seeing that so in the end, it's good for everyone when competition comes into the marketplace. So that's kind of how I try to look at it is that, yeah, it kind of sucks when some companies steal your ideas and yeah, it kind of sucks when there's more competition, but at the end of the day, hunters win. And so we try to keep that at at the, the front of our minds and we just try to keep innovating and keep pushing and try not to worry too much about what other people are doing. And make gear selfishly that's that's really how all of our products come along is there's a group of us sitting around and we're like man you know what sucked the other day i was climbing this tree and x happened how do we solve for x yeah and then we solve x and it's like you know what i bet other people would like x to be solved and that's that's how it works so we just kind of kind of i think you just have to focus on making the best gear possible and the
0: rest will kind of take care of itself yeah that makes a lot of sense, man. All right, so is one of your new products this year a platform?
1: Yeah, we've got a carbon fiber platform that's going through testing uh, right now, and it should be
0: should be available in the summertime. All right, so the Predator platform was something you already had, but the carbon fiber version of that is going to be available within the next six months. Yes. Okay. Exactly. All right. So let me ask you this: You've jumped into let me ask you this. I don't know if you can answer this question or not. Is that platform produced by a company that also makes tree stands? Or is this your own baby?
1: No, it's uh, it's not produced by a tree stand company.
0: Okay, so it's your guys' own deal. Yep. With that, a platform is really just a very small, compact version of a tree stand. Okay? With what we've just talked about, other companies bringing in... Uh, other companies bringing in saddles. Do you guys ever see yourself expanding and bringing in tree stands to your product lineup?
1: We've talked about it quite a bit, actually, because sometimes I get, because of my line of work, I get pigeonholed into being like, I'm, I would only ever hunt from a saddle. Like that's just not reality. I, I always preach a golfer carries more than one club you should use whatever the right tool is for the job. If it's an elevated box blind on a, on a cornfield and that's what you need to kill the buck, then use that, right? So we've talked about doing tree stands, but it would have to be something that was so much different slash better than anything else out there for us to kind of get into that game. And honestly, tree stands are pretty awesome right now with what some of these other companies are doing and and lightening the load and making them more user-friendly and they're going in the right direction as far as i'm concerned so i would hesitate to jump into the tree stand market unless we could really set ourselves apart and i don't know we could do that right now
0: yeah man i tell you what and then the the thing about innovation right i i love this, but also hate this as well, because a company could come out with a really good idea, but it would compete with a, a, another patent that's already out there, right? Well, patents help protect companies as much as they hinder uh, innovation. Sometimes, you know what I mean. So, do you guys have like, a, as far as any of the products that you're dealing with, like how often do you have to work around another? Uh, another patent uh, because someone else as far as slowing you down from innovation but at the same time uh, a, a tethered saddle it has a patent behind it which protects you guys for a while
1: frequently yeah. it more more in the uh in the climbing stick and the platform like uh like the, the small tree stand version yeah uh than with saddles since we were kind of we weren't the first by any stretch, but in this in this new wave of saddle hunting companies, we were the first, and because of that, we kind of have the IP around a lot of our stuff as far as saddles go. But yeah, absolutely. Like when we were designing our trees, our uh, climbing sticks and and the platforms, we 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 had to we had to deal with that. And um, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Uh, but it, it ended up being a good thing for us because we had to you know well you encounter this problem right you're like okay let's just say attachment method right I'm gonna I'm gonna attach my my climbing stick to the tree this way oh wait you know Lone Wolf has a patent on that so how do we solve that well let's get let's put our thinking caps on and figure out a better way to do it and that sometimes ends up being a blessing in disguise that you ran into the patent that has happened to us on two separate occasions so. Uh, It's not always bad uh, dealing with the patents. And then if you are the patent holder, it's obviously a good thing that your hard work can be protected.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like you guys have a bit of an, of an advantage uh, and not just necessarily in the, and this is good for you, I think, but uh, you, you guys created an army, right? You came out, you, your brand, Your social, uh, the way you guys have created and built your business, you guys have created an army. How much does that help you when it comes to product testing or, uh, you know, going from version 1.0 to 2.0?
1: A ton. A ton. And that was was an advantage that was born out of necessity because when we launched, we didn't have any money. Yeah. (laughs) So we couldn't afford to advertise or anything like that. So the only thing we could do in the beginning was basically build an army of people, help them solve their problems of gear and then ask them like, and when we started shipping our gear originally, I I paid to have a card made, uh, an insert into the packaging that said, Hey, please share this with someone on social media, because if you don't, we're not going to make it. And that's, it kind of worked. Um, it's a big advantage and we have a group of guys like Garrett, you know, one of, one of your guys, DIY sportsman, uh, another one of your guys, Parker, uh, Andy may, you've had him on your podcast a bunch. Uh, we have guys like that that are testing and helping us build gear and you can't, you can't really overstate how important that is when, when you have real hunters that are, living and breathing this stuff, you know, 365 days a year, providing input onto what you could do better differently.
0: It, it makes a big, big difference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I, I, I just see like, I, I would com- I would put per capita, let's just say per capita, but I would put the tethered nation or the people who are using tethered products and, and, and going out and loving it. There's a loyalty there. That I see in, you know, that other brands that have been around for a very long time have, right? And you guys have created this in a very short period of time. So kudos to you guys, man. That's that's hard to do. Thank you.
1: We we worked really hard at it, and uh, and then also we're lucky, right? Yeah. You can't. I, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to just talk like we knew exactly what we were doing. I mean, we worked really right. hard, and we were we were smart, but you have to have a lot of luck too. And we were definitely the, the beneficiaries of some luck and, um, yeah, it's, it's been kind of a crazy ride. And, and I think some of that enthusiasm for our brand, you, you mentioned it a minute ago, cause you said, you know, the gears working for them as yeah. anticipate, right? So I think, I think a big part of it is the, this Hunter, he's probably, a little, yeah, he's maybe, you know, he's standoffish from switching from tree yeah. stands to saddle hunting. And then he gets it and he tries it a few times and he works the kinks out and he goes, man, this is actually really cool. And because, it, because of the utility of it for him or her, they turn into our biggest salesman. And that that's really been a blessing for us.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. All right, so let's talk about what's new. All right, you guys, you, you got. I mean, you've been on the podcast before. We've talked about this. People can go to the website uh, tetherednation.com, dot com and check out all of the products that you guys have. But uh, let's talk about um, what's new. What you guys have brought to the market in twenty twenty two, or in the last six months, or whatever.
1: So twenty twenty two, or in the last six months, I, I, I guess we'll go with that. We we released our Skeletor climbing stick, which is. Before that, we had released the the one climbing stick, and that was a one-pound titanium uh, climbing stick. And it's stupid expensive, but it's also stupid light. I mean, it's when you pick these things up, we've kind of gone around the country and, and showed them to people, and it's the same reaction every time. As soon as they pick up a three-pack, their jaw just hits the ground because they can't believe how light it is. it is. It's pretty cool. And then we followed that up. Um, I guess the downside of the titanium super light climbing stick was that it was really, really expensive. And so we followed that up with what we consider like our our budget friendly climbing stick. So that's called the Skeletor and it's got a lot of cool features. So we released that in uh, maybe September of 2021. So, you know, right at six months ago or so. Uh, we released that. That's been doing really, really well. People are loving it. And then we we released the carbon fiber platform at the ATA this year, and uh, that one will be ready for sale this summer. There, There's probably a couple more things that will get released this summer. Um, nothing super crazy or anything that's going to change anybody's life, but just some cool uh, um accessories i suppose that'll make you a little bit more efficient but yeah i would say the climbing stick and the carbon fiber platform are are the newest things that we have out
0: all right let's talk specs uh on this carbon fiber platform what are we talking about weight um size dimension whatever
1: so that's actually pretty cool it's gonna be we have two platforms currently two cast uh die cast aluminum platforms and we call the small one the predator and the big one the xl And the XL is, I think, right, a little over four pounds, and then the small one is three pounds. So the carbon fiber platform is going to give you the size of our XL Predator, but the weight of the standard small Predator. So it'll come in at right around three pounds. We're tweaking the formula right now and still doing the final testing. So I don't have a specific weight just yet, but it should be right around three pounds, and then the size of our XL Predator, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then, as far as the uh, the sticks are concerned, um, let's go to the, those carbon fiber sticks once. Uh, what are what's a pack of four, or what do you sell them in? A pack of four or three?
1: So the Skeletors, yeah, the Skeletors, they come in a four pack, and they're right around 200 bucks, maybe maybe a touch more, but right around 200 bucks.
0: Okay. And then what's the, what's the four pack weight on those? Do you happen to know? Those that?
1: are two pounds a stick. Yeah. So that's including, including the attachment method. So you're at
0: eight pounds for a four pack. Okay. I mean, you
1: may be like eight pounds and an ounce or something, but it's basically eight pounds.
0: Right. And then what about the other sticks? So the one sticks are one
1: pound per stick. So okay. to compare apples per apples, you're, you're four, one sticks weigh four pounds and four Skeletors weigh eight pounds. So you're at you're at fifty percent reduction in weight. so you're you're essentially just paying for your weight reduction if you want to move into the one sticks
0: and that's about three fifty for a three pack. So three, three quite pack.
1: a bit more expensive.
0: yeah, yeah. but you know, just like just like there's a market for ladder stands that don't move and are not mobile, there's a market for the complete opposite side of the spectrum that are, ultralight, light carbon fiber, everything. And, and, and I mean, you, there's both options there, right? Absolutely. Um, and that's
1: what we wanted to do. We wanted to do, we wanted to give an option for that guy. That's crazy. Like, like us, you yeah. know, that are just think about this all the time and then give an option for the normal guy that doesn't need to
0: spend 400 bucks on a set of climbing sticks. Yeah, exactly. Um, let me ask you this. Obviously price plays a A role in any decision making that uh one of your customers goes through they have to you know they do their own budget what are you guys selling more of or what do you guys plan to sell more of the one or the skeletor
1: definitely the skeletor definitely it's probably i mean they're all new so the one sticks came out last year and we immediately sold out of them and we're expecting we're expecting to be you have them back in the store here it's uh what is it, late February now, probably in about six weeks, they'll be back in stock. Gotcha. Um, but the price point is, is is so different. It's essentially double that we we, we think the Skeletors are probably going to be the bigger seller. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Now, I look at this, and, and please do, don't take this as a jab, okay? Uh, because I'm just comparing what everybody else is going to compare. I look at the Skeletors, and it kind of reminds me of— Uh, I think it's a Hawk climbing stick that has come out. It it just looks very similar. The functionality may be different, whatever, just from the, from the one view, it looks different. Um, And those I've got more people talk negative about that. Those sticks than actually liked them in the product review. You know, that's a small sample size compared to everybody who bought them you, I look at this, what makes the Skeletor durable? What makes it, you know, pe- like people not going to have an issue with it?
1: So the, the Skeletor is, is actually not all that similar to, well, it is a little similar to yeah. the Hawk, but yeah. what you really have to do is you have to go back in time and look at what Hawk essentially copied. <laughs> And that was the leverage climbing stick that they went out of business about 10 years ago, I think, but they, our product, uh, the Skeletors is, is much more of a copy of the leverage climbing stick than the Hawk climbing stick. Right. Um, and they went out of business a, a while ago, like I said, so the big difference in the, in the Hawk, what, what's current and then the leverage, which we modeled our stick after is the leverage stick folded away from the tree, so the the post or the tube uh, is straight on the on the hawk stick? The sticks fold straight, you know, straight out away from away from the post. But the post on our sticks and the leverage, the steps fold at a forty five degree angle back away
0: from the tree. Oh, okay, yeah, so, I see that now.
1: So it's a, yeah, so it's a it's a little bit different. While the hawks are flat, ours is angled and. Is it a huge deal? Like, no, but uh, it does make it a little bit easier to climb. You have a little bit more room for your feet. So when it's late in the season and you got big heavy boots on and your 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 layers are bulking up, it makes it a little bit easier to climb. And then the other thing that our stick does uh, that is light years ahead of the, of the Hawks sticks, in, in my opinion, is our attachment method. We call it the Dynalock button, and it's essentially a boat cleat. That's where we got the idea from. So you wrap your rope around the tree and then lock it off like a cleat, and it's so fast, it's so easy, and it's so secure. I, I really think that is a huge selling point for the Skeletors as opposed to the Hawks. And they're really similar in price. I think the Hawks are a little bit cheaper than ours, but they're they're really close. And uh, so yeah, to I guess to get back to your original question, um, they are very very similar. Um, but like I said, we kind of modeled ours after a product that came
0: before the Hawks as opposed to the other way around. Yeah. I'll tell you, I've just been educated, so I'm glad you did that. Um, but don't underplay what you just said about having boot space between the step and the tree, because dude, that's important. Like, I don't know how many times, you know, there's, you know, it doesn't happen all the time but when i when i used to wear rubber boots i don't wear big rubber boots anymore just cuz i found another way of staying warm but when you are wearing a big giant boot and there is and you're on a tr- let's say a bigger diameter tree you have to turn your foot sideways in some cases and that's not necessarily as safe as something like this that you know creates space between the tree and the step absolutely
1: that's the that's the the single biggest piece of feedback we get about the sticks. Uh, it, it's one and two. The two things that I just mentioned are the the two biggest pieces of feedback. Number one is the angle away for more room for your boot. And like you said, yeah, it doesn't seem like a big deal until you do have big boots on yeah. and, it's, and it's 20 degrees outside and you're freezing and then all of a sudden it makes a big difference. Yeah. And then two, that attachment method. People love the attachment method too. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And like I said, we just released those this past fall. So this will be our first year full year with them in stock and um i'm excited to see what they do
0: yeah that's a fact uh, so i can't help but think about this because last night i ordered a sleeping bag online and i'm getting really close to ordering an ultralight tent for backcountry hunting when i go out west right um so for me kind of weight like i i I didn't usually tip. I, I don't usually typically don't usually typically, I don't typically bitch about weight, but when you're going into some of these places with water, you know, I have to, I have to carry my water in too, because I don't know if, you know, there's going to be any out there depending on where I go. I'm, I'm trying to find ways to reduce, not necessarily reduce the total weight, but be able to carry more water in essentially. So, I've, I've been looking at lighter sleeping bags, lighter tents, you know light, lighter gear and, and finding way to uh, minimalize a little bit with with the backpacking and the other side of the outdoor market that's not into hunting, they offer some crazy uh, material that is way lighter but potentially way more expensive. Are you guys brainstorming or looking at any type of, this aerospace next level high value like it would be a a a big investment for somebody but it has the potential to make what you guys have that much lighter and and be able to like we're talking ounces instead of pounds
1: yeah absolutely i mean a lot of our inspiration uh when i started making saddles in my in my basement on my on my 100 dollar Singer sewing machine way back in the like 2009 2010 that's exactly where all the inspiration came from. Yeah. I was in the army and I was stationed in Fort Carson, Colorado and I got into lightweight ultralight backpacking and yeah, it was stupid. Like so you you see what the prices are now that you're you're kind of jumping off the cliff into lightweight tents and sleeping bags it's crazy what it can sometimes cost to save half a pound. It's like, what? You know, you, it'll be a 200 dollar sleeping bag and it weighs 2 pounds, right? But if you want to go to a pound and a half, it might jump up to 500 bucks for that sleeping bag. It's it's nuts, and you're probably seeing that as you jump into tents and sleeping bags. But that's exactly where all the inspiration came from. It was looking at lightweight stuff that the hikers were doing and how can I port that over into hunting because at the time I was climbing the mountains too in Colorado and I didn't want to carry big heavy tree stands anymore it just wasn't practical right so we absolutely have that as part of our ethos and that will never change
0: yeah are there plateaus you know like we've absolutely. talked we, we've talked about the the tree stand market like the, the hang on tree stand at some point i mean yeah you can break through with different material but as far as form and function are concerned there's there's some there's some there's plateaus and until somebody finds a way to maybe stack sticks uh flatter or have a tree stand that is extremely lighter for a a a much you know carbon fiber obviously moore's law what's that moore's law when uh technology every 18 months technology becomes cheaper to produce or something like that whatever that whatever that rule is in the saddle yep. game um, like are you guys dealing with plateaus yet and if so how are you trying to break through them
1: yeah you're i mean you hit the nail on the head i mean it, it happens to ev- every industry i mean you can only push things so far until there is a breakthrough either in materials or Construction methods, or something that typically doesn't have to do with the hunting industry, right? Like some mountain climber will figure out a way to do some kind of crazy thing with ultralight gear or some kind of new construction method, and then hunters are, you know, will grab it and bring it over. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I think you're right. I think everything seems to have plateaued a little bit, and until there's some kind of major breakthrough in in materials or construction methods, we're we'll probably not going to see any kind of big quantum leaps like we saw in the last five years. I mean, if, from my perspective, the last five years has been the golden age for mobile hunters, right? Yeah. There's been more options now than there has been in history and that's pretty cool. And that probably won't happen again for, I mean, I don't know,
0: um, uh, until it happens again. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I always like to ask this question because I'm I'm that stubborn sob who's kind of stuck in his ways. I'm I've become very efficient with the tree stands that uh, I've used over the years. The you know the it's well it's Novex now, but it used to be the the Lone Wolf and four sticks. Um, and I'm set in my ways. I'm very comfortable with it. Now, to the guys out there like me who are just like, man, I just I I can't get past the whole the whole saddle thing what what do you tell them or how do you pitch to them hey man just try try a saddle
1: well you know that might not be the best option like you said if you're comfortable with where you are and you don't get uncomfortable in a tree stand and you never find trees that you can't put it in and you know what i mean if it works for you then hey you know if it ain't broke don't fix it What? What I would say is is to the guy that is maybe uncomfortable or maybe looking for a little bit more performance or whatever the case may be, then you should, you should try it. And now it's cool because there's so many people that have it. You probably have a buddy that has it now, right. either a Tethered brand or some other brand or whatever, and you can try it. Before, let's say before Tethered launched, you didn't even have that option. Your only option was a tree stand. Yeah. And so it's cool that we're kind of past that point and that you, you can try it. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a very comfortable alternative, um, very lightweight, very efficient alternative to a tree stand. But if a tree stand works for you, and especially with the way they are now, with they're making them so much better and lighter that may, maybe you shouldn't try it. You know, it's not very good for me from a business perspective, but at the same time, we're really all about just making hunters more efficient. And I, I don't, really see a way that uh, an experienced saddle hunter isn't more efficient than an experienced tree stand guy. I'll, I'll always believe that the saddle guy wins, but you know, that doesn't mean I'm right. That's just my perspective.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, we've kind of talked about the uh, the evolution of tethered, you know, we've talked about the new products, uh, the market as a whole. What do you thinks What do you think's coming in the next uh, you know, from a, from a mobile hunting standpoint, what do you think is going to be the next buzzword or the next hot topic? Uh, now that saddle hunting is here and, and here to stay,
1: man, that's a, if, if only I had that crystal ball, I would be a very, very wealthy man. Cause I could capitalize on it. Uh, that's tough to say. I do think, uh, I'm calling this right now, that you are going to see in the next 12 months an absolute boom in saddle hunting. And um, it's only going to get bigger. And it's only going to get more and more uh, plugged into the mainstream guys. And when I mean mainstream, I, I mean that hunter that we talked about earlier that's hunting the back 40 or only gets to hunt you know, a handful of days a year just because – they're not crazy hardcore like a lot of your listeners probably
0: are, but you're going to see
1: much more adoption into the mainstream in the next 12 months. Okay.
0: All right. Um, That's awesome. Right. Good for you guys. Uh, And and then obviously that, that builds your market and that allows you to innovate and bring new products to the table. And, and um, I forgot to answer this, ask you this question right off the bat. And I think I already know the answer because of the nature of what you're doing when it comes to, let's take saddles and tethered and climbing sticks out of the equation. And let's talk about every other product out on the market. Are you a guy who likes to tinker with your gear or are you a guy that once you find something you, you stick with it?
1: So I, I used to be the mega tinkerer, like mega tinkerer. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't use a single piece of gear. It was a climbing stick, tree stand, uh, a backpack, a whatever, a weapon, I was always tinkering with it, and I've kind of gotten away from that a little bit, because I find myself in the position that you are, now, with your tree stand, your Novix tree stand, and your sticks, where you are just so comfortable, you can set it up in the dark, blindfolded, and your, your routine is just nailed, I'm there, finally, with my gear, and, uh, so I don't find myself tinkering as much as I used to, but, there's a part of me that that is just a tinkerer at heart and now I find myself doing that more with like kayaks and fishing equipment than I do with my hunting gear because I feel like it's so dialed that I I just I just don't want to change it anymore
0: yeah yeah that's a great point well greg man i uh i really appreciate you taking time out of your day to talk about uh your company and, and just bs with me for a little bit great conversation and uh if people want to find out more about tethered where do we send them
1: you just you can you can find us on any social media on, on the web tethered nation um that's that's how you can find us i, I would encourage you to check out if, if you're interested in saddle hunting i would get on youtube that's definitely your best resource and there are so many options out there for for educators now, people that are using different brands and different styles and different climbing methods, and educate yourself and try to figure what might work for you because it's there's there's no longer any recipe for for success. Like Dan's recipe works for him and yeah. my recipe works for me, and now there's so many options out there and you can you can be educated and you, you don't have to go it alone. So that's really, really Uh, a really cool place that we find ourselves as hunters with
0: all of these options and all of these ways to learn about making ourselves better. Absolutely, man. Well, again, I appreciate your time. Yeah, man. Thanks, Dan.